Hey, agency owners, it's time for a new episode of the Agency Blueprint, the number one podcast for agency owners looking to discover strategies for scaling an agency to seven figures and beyond, while reducing stress and getting your personal life back. I'm your host, Robert Patton, international bestselling author, agency scale partner, and founder of Creative Agency Success. If you enjoy our podcast, please do me a favor and hit that subscribe button to make sure you never miss an episode and help keep this show at the top of the charts so it can be found by more agency owners like you. And now for the show. The industry goes through flows. And largely, I wanted to talk to you all today about the migration that I've been seeing recently in the industry in from being boutique to agency of record and then back to boutique. And largely, the thing that I have noticed is that there has been conversation around specialization and boutique-oriented agencies being very specialized in certain areas. And then there was a migration at one point to being a bit more agency of record, at least on the enterprise size. So on the larger mid-size business to enterprise size clients in the migration from boutiques, very specialized individual relationships with loads of different agencies to larger agency relationships. And then I saw the migration back. So things have changed over time and things will continue to change. And largely one of the things that I wanted to kind of point out is economic impact to it and how that kind of works and largely how you can leverage that. So one of the things that I noticed and I saw a trend and this started about three years ago, four years ago, I started to see as the economy immediately before the pandemic, you saw there were consolidations. There was lots of RFPs that were going out to lots of agencies. And largely what was being seen was that there were a lot of brands that were looking to consolidate the relationships that they had with their agencies, going more, not necessarily to the extent where it was an agency of record where they were only working with one, some where they had agency of record deals in specific verticals, so maybe in media, and then perhaps in video or in social or in campaign development, and they were looking to consolidate. And then as the economy started to turn, one of the things that I have seen as of recently is that there are a lot more more brands that are looking to diversify the relationships that they have with their agencies. And, and it's, there's a number of reasons why this happens, but a lot of the, the, the consideration here is that when you have an agency of record, a lot of what ends up happening is that it's primarily around there being a centralized agency that they're speaking with. And the goal there is that they would have only one central point of contact. It makes for their campaigns to be largely more integrated across the different channels that they have. And so what you have seen and what those agency of records in a lot of cases will tend to do is that they will have other agency partners that will execute on that work, freelancers, etc. And largely the agency of record is just making deals and making money off of those uh, relationships. And so they will contract other agencies and then have a markup on that cost. And that happens all the time. And you'll even see in, if you are an agency that works with larger brands, you will have seen things where you are working through another agency. And that's because they have a requirement with the agency of record deal 
to actually do the work through them. And so the thing that has started to happen in a lot of it has to do with the brands kind of thinking that going more boutique allows for them to stretch their budgets a bit more, allows for them to have a bit more of a specialization. It's also in the components with lesser budgets that a lot of brands have had as of late that they need to have and be sure that those campaigns are more effective and that it's going to actually have the end result that they're looking for. And so with that migration to boutique, there are and there is a lot of potential for many of you to allow for you to capitalize on those types of relationships. And when I'm saying boutique oriented relationships, they can still be multi-million dollar contracts and that it's still working with a smaller agency, a more boutique agency, but not through the agency of record. And so the thing that I wanted to talk about is how this can impact you and why this is ultimately happening. So when you're thinking about the relationships that you have, and if you do have aspirations to work with enterprise size clients, there's both good and bad with these types of relationships. I speak with agencies all the time that exclusively work with larger brands and largely because they believe them to be easier. They're in a lot of instances, a lot less demanding the process by which to obtain them though is a lot more difficult. And a lot of the agencies that are focused in the enterprise relationships do tend to have really substantial anchor clients, which could be a big risk. Not that I'm saying notice for you to say no to some of this business, but just make sure that you understand that as you were to build those relationships that you know how to scale up and potentially scale down if you do not retain that client. I mean, on an average basis, you're going to have a two to three year lifespan with a lot of these brands. And that's largely around the average length of a CMO within these brands. And as CMOs change, largely so do their agency relationships. And so I want you to think about the fact that the vast majority of you that are listening today are on the boutique side of the agency world, and that there is an ability for you when you have these conversations with these enterprise clients to actually assert your specialization. So in a specific RFP that wasn't that long ago within the past couple of months, one of the things that actually happened with that brand and actually speaking both with the procurement team and with the brand team, one of the things that they actually said to my client as a response to the RFP submission was that they were really happy to see that this agency's response and largely with my advice to only select a select couple of things as to what they are what their service offering is and what they actually do and not being a really broad and saying that they could do everything under the sun and it actually in that instance allowed for this agency as this migration was happening within this brand for them to actually get to a preferred vendor status which meant that they were larger or put put more in front of brand managers and people with budgets to allow for them to actually do more work with this brand specifically and so looking at what it is exactly that you specialize in and exactly what you are just really best in class at. I know you've heard me talk about that before if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, but really just recognizing that that specialization is important in general, but has become even more important as of the recent year, maybe two, as brands are starting to have some tightening when it comes to budgets. 
I mean, there was a larger flow of capital available in the economy. And as that happened, there were larger budgets available to be spent. And the brands, because of those larger budgets, would start to need to have additional resources and support on things and largely were not able to manage all the things that they had and needed to consolidate the relationships that they had so that they could still execute and and largely spend their budgets. And that is a thing, if you've worked with enterprise clients, some of the things that you will notice with them is that it's kind of a use it or lose it oriented scenario with their budget. So they they want to use it, they want to spend it, and they they will figure out a way to do so with the limited amount of resources that they have internally to do so. And so it's just looking at how you can capitalize on it and what it is exactly that you can do. So I'm going to talk a little bit for you and with you about the sales cycle of these larger brands and how you need to be thinking about it. Because the way that you will go about generating leads and opening a relationship with a mid-market or small business of the SMBs are going to be different than the enterprise, the Inc. 500s, Inc. 5000s, because it, it is a very different sales cycle. So to begin with, the sales cycle, typically speaking, is going to be 12 to 18 months. And largely, one of the biggest reasons for this is that the budgets are kind of pre-spent. So as budgets are rolled out, a lot of strategy is being done internally at these brands to figure out exactly what they're going to be doing with that budget and what exactly is going to be the initiative. And so even before the budgets are ultimately released, the different brands within that organization, the different teams within that organization are submitting requests to allow for them to be included in that budget. And this is largely one of the biggest opportunities for agencies is to be part of that process and to be part of that strategy creation, or at least be part of one of the submissions where they are requesting for budget with the finance team within that organization. And so why the sales cycle can be quite long, because ultimately you are submitting proposals substantially before you're actually going to get a yes and ink on that agreement, because they can't sign and issue POs until that new budget is released. And that money is, is going to be allowed to be spent really, right? So it's to think about what is that financial cycle for that organization. So let's say that they're on a calendar year, which is largely uncommon for a lot of enterprise clients, is that on that calendar year, you're going to be looking sometime in September. So their calendar year, meaning that it ends in December is their, their financial year. That means that sometime in September is where they're going to start to look at and have these submissions opening up where they're going to be having discussions around what they're going to be spending for the following year. So they're having strategic conversations internally about what they're going to be doing for the following year, understanding what their sales goals are, what their marketing objectives are, what their brand objectives are, and allowing for those budgets to now start to be a part of the discussion. And so in order for you to be able to be part of that, you have to have been having discussions with these individuals months in advance. And why that sales cycle like I said, can be 12 to 18 months because you're building a relationship first with these brand managers, with the individuals that are requesting these budgets within these organizations so that when the budget is actually in place, you can start to work on that campaign or project. So when you have these target relationships that you're looking at going after, make sure that you're really thinking about what is that sales cycle for them? What is that financial cycle for them? And when do you need to actually be reaching out? So largely, if you're familiar with ABM, the account-based marketing model, you should be utilizing that in a really heavy way 
allowing for you to build these relationships. For a lot of agencies, you're going to have a target list of between 150 even to 200 target accounts that you're going to be reaching out to. And you're building relationships with the individuals that are going to be requesting these budgets, largely decision makers or the person immediately below the decision maker, not necessarily the PO authorized individual within the organization, but allowing for you to get ahead of that budget cycle and make sure that you're part of the conversation of those submissions. The other timing that's really important, and fortunately for you, it's around the same time, is that at the end of the fiscal, there are ancillary budgets that they haven't spent and they that are going to be allocated that they new new initiatives would come up and things would need to be augmented. So they leave a component and a percentage, and it changes depending on the organization, a percentage of their budget in the marketing team not allocated. And in a lot of instances, you'll find that they haven't actually engaged with an agency for that budget. And as I mentioned earlier, it's a use it or lose it scenario, right? So they actually need to use it or at the end of the fiscal year, the budget resets and they lose that money. So if you were to be really strategic and you have a relationship with these individuals, ideally already being a preferred vendor at this point or a approved vendor even within that organization, you can reach out at that same time as well, allowing for you to then be able to be able to capitalize on some of those available budgets. The thing and nuance that I wanted to bring up here is the mid-market component of it, because there's both the, the upper end of the mid-market, the lower end of the mid-market, and, you know, just straight bang center of the economy, really, of the types of businesses. And so market cap. The thing that you want to think about is that with these organizations, some of them have procurement teams and some of them don't. And largely, the vast majority of the time, the ones that are going to go through these same types of cycles are going to be ones that have a, a bit more of a robust finance team and thus also a procurement team, whether it's internal or external, where they are going to have that procurement team. Likely an entirely other episode to talk about procurement, so I'm going to not hit that too much in this episode. But just thinking about with the mid-market and largely a lot of agencies ignore the mid-market going after either the enterprise clients or small business. And the mid-market, I, I largely and I'm sure you've heard me talk about before, is largely one of the biggest segments of the market that are ignored by agencies. They need the support. They have the budgets. They're large. They're quicker to make decisions, shorter sales cycles, largely. But again, thinking about the segmentation of that market from the lower end of the mid-market to the upper end of the mid-market, the upper end typically will have procurement teams and are very similar, will kind of look, feel, and smell like an, an enterprise-sized business because they operate a lot like that internally and will have a longer sales cycle. So as you move up in the size of revenue, the more resources that they have, the more blocks that you have, and the, even different types of decisions, which you will also, if you work with enterprise clients, know how those decision cycles can be quite difficult. The thing that I would like to leave with you guys, leave you guys with today, is ultimately, there's always opportunity in every market. And it is largely around how do you capitalize on it? How is it exactly that you can go about utilizing the trends that are happening in the industry? And like I said, the industry has flows. They've had them before. Things have changed before. And they will change again in the future. I guarantee you that. That is the one consistent thing that we will see in the industry and business by and large is that change is constant. And make sure that you're looking at how can I capitalize on this new economic environment, on this new situation that we have presented in front of us, and how can I grow amongst this particular environment? 
once again, thank you so much for carving out the time to hear what was shared on today's podcast. Now, chances are, if you're an agency owner listening to this podcast right now, then you may be feeling like this. Because I was finding myself constantly overworked within our business, um, constantly like too busy with fulfillment or too busy with uh, customer service needs. So I didn't have the time to go think about how am I going to close this person or what I'm going to say to this person or what am I going to do with this or what's the next strategy I need to do. Now, of course, this podcast is here to help you with a lot of things. But at one episode per week, it's going to take a while for us to share everything you need specifically for your situation. So if you're really serious about committing to fixing the problems in your agency now so you can build a truly profitable business and get your life back, then I want to invite you to apply for the Agency Accelerator Program. I'm not so stressed during calls thinking, oh my gosh, I got, I got to sell, I got to sell, I got to sell because if I don't sell, I don't make our I don't make our numbers, you know, and if I don't make our numbers, I can't pay our people. If I can't pay our people, then our business is down. This program is designed to help creative agency owners get to 1 million in revenue per year in 12 months or less. I char- typically charge one client a $3,000, anywhere from 2000 to 3000 Now I'm uh, moving towards only 5000 and up. And my latest client that I closed is a $10,000 client on a monthly retainer. We only accept about 20% of the agencies that apply to this program because we want to make sure that we only work with people who will commit the time, energy, and resources required to take what they learn in the program and use it to create an agency of their dreams. You've taught me and you've taught us how to build this within our company that if X happens, this happens. Boom, 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 boom. Like it's so systematic that it's going to work for itself. That has given me the sense of like, oh, I know what the heck I'm talking about. I know what I'm good at. I know that I can deliver upon what I want to deliver. And yeah, I gained hell of a lot of confidence for sure. So if that's you, then I want to invite you to apply today. Just hit the link in the show notes to apply for the Agency Accelerator program or go to creativeagencysuccess.com forward slash apply. Thanks. And I'll see you inside the program.